Hello and welcome to QBD Book Club, the podcast. My name is Victoria Carthew. Thank you so much for tuning in today to spend some time to talk about a book called The Chasm, which is not just gritty crime and a thriller, but has a whole lot of action and adventure, mystery, also a little bit of romance and some very helpful characters who are non-human. Uh, to talk to me all about it is Bronwyn Hall. Let's have a listen. Bronwyn, hello. Hello, Victoria. Nice to meet you. There's a bit of everything in this book. You haven't missed a beat. Yeah, look, it does cover quite a bit of territory. Um, and yes, you mentioned the non-human characters, animals, <laughs> just to be really clear. Yeah, not aliens. <laughs> no aliens, no ghosts, no zombies. Uh, yeah, but the animals, yeah. I had a lot of fun writing them. Absolutely. Now, I love um, doing a little bit of a deep dive into our authors before I get to chat. And I love that every bio I read about you anywhere said she never intended to be a writer, but this is your second book. Uh, and you do have a, you know, a bachelor's in English lit. So somewhere in the back of your mind, you must have thought that one day this might happen to you. You know what? I would really love to say yes, you're right, because um, I often feel like, oh, you know, most writers know this before they can sort of walk but uh no it wasn't the case for me but I've always been a very avid reader and I love literature I just um it was my go-to as escape as a child you know all those sorts of things so books themselves are really really special to me um I never thought uh I would be a writer um I had another career I still have another career um and that's kept me very busy but yeah, I got a story in my head one day and not this one, <laughs> not the first book either. Uh, and it just, yeah, it really just wouldn't go away. So I started writing. I was really bad at it to start off with, um, which is fine. Um, yeah, but it sort of just uh, got better and better and it was a real source of pleasure. So that's my kind of writing story, I guess. We, um, you've got Gone to Ground behind you, which was the, was the first one. How different was this process second time round, you know, experience, that sort of thing? I mean, because from go to woe, not just the writing, but getting it out there, all of the things you need to do, how different was it for you this time round? Oh, look, I think the second time round, you know, it's just not quite as new. So there was a, a little bit less feeling like um, there was no ground beneath my feet. So in that way, it was really nice. Uh, I had, um, yeah, just the luxury of going, oh, okay, that's all right. It's, it's, it's going to get out there uh, one way or another. I think, though, um, the process itself is is quite the same for me. Um, I, I was lucky, you know, the second book, you feel a lot more confident. You have more faith in your own process. Of course. But I'm, of very, course. <laughs> but I'm one of, I'm a writer who sort of sits at the, the pants end of the spectrum so we talk about plotters you know writers who who do a lot of plotting and drafting first and then uh at one end of the spectrum and, and pants sit down the other who right by the seat of their pants now it is it's not one or the other I love um, it. but i'm very much down that pants end so you know uh there's a lot of blind corners for me when i write um and uh but that was fine and so writing the second book you know you just or I did, I just felt a lot more secure, I guess, in that process and that it, it could turn out all right in the end. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I know we know we do get a lot of um, want-to-be writers who join in and, you know, tune in to take a listen as well. And when you talk about that confidence that you got writing the second one, was that knowing that if you were being a pantser or, or, or plotting, whatever you were doing, that you would find a way there? You kind of could back yourself to know that you were going to find a way through the story? 
That's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, I always know I have in my own mind what I call islands and they're basically plot points. You know, you, I can move from island to island, uh, but I never know what's in the middle or <laughs> where, you know, how I'm going to actually build bridges to between the islands. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, for any, you know, writers out there or, or people who are on their journey, yeah, whatever process and whatever feels right for you is probably going to be the right one. And have there always been kind of, you, you have a background in psychology as well and you've worked in and around mental health. Did you, is it seeing things throughout your career or are there stories that were always kind of held inside of you that you knew one day you'd like to write? Like where did these these stories, and particularly for the chasm, where did it come from? Right. So, um, no, I don't think I meet the stories in my life, but what I do is I meet a lot of humans, you know, people in general and um, in all of their characteristics and so many of their own um, events and stories, you know, in their lives, basically. It just gives you that huge, big melting pot, I think, that you can draw out of when you're creating new characters. They can be such a, um, a mixture of, yeah, everyone you've met. My journey in mental, well, my career in mental health and also in other parts of the health sector has been really um, humbling in lots of ways. But you get to just see so many uh, stories, I guess, of triumph and just, you know, conquering of adversity. And that is quite um, intriguing to me. Um, we're very resilient creatures <laughs> as humans. So, um, yeah, I love that. I think um, my stories, though, <laughs> interestingly, because I'm not a huge news watcher, but every now and again, and I found that this is where most of them have come from, I'll, I'll see something on the news and it's always the, the crime element, that criminal yeah. element. Um, that's the seed for me and there'll be something that sort of crops up and just percolates, just starts to, you know, yeah. go round and round and the what-ifs and if that happened here or if it happened there and if it happened alongside something else, you know, it, it kind of just grows legs from a, a small a small spot. Well, you talk about uh, resilience and you talk about people overcoming adversity a thousand times over, our main character in the chasm, Andy, does that. What a fantastic character. Um, I felt like she was my friend, um, which is a really nice. When you're reading, it's actually quite comforting. I mean, I know we all love antagonistic characters and other reasons, but she was fantastic. Tell us where you found Andy. That's a really good question. Um, Andy is a vet so uh and she's a locum vet in in this book and i think you know a vet is, is what i wanted to be when i was growing up but mm, worked out in time that it was going to be you know a hard road and it's not all romantic oh no you know, and you gave us the unromantic animals lives i mean she does start with her hand up a cow's backside so you do give us the <laughs> I'm trying to make it dignified, but you know that's that that's where it does start. Um, yeah, so Andy um, is a is a person who I just think you know she lost her mother when she was uh, four, and just from an early age, you know, she's just been resilient, and I think the perfect um, foil for Will, who is the um, young boy that goes missing, he goes missing at eighteen. And just knowing his story too, you know, he really needed someone very strong um, at the time and sort of um, through the story. And, yeah, so Andy's backstory and just her, you know, being there as a vet and, um, yeah, knowing that 
life has harsh realities. I'm not quite sure exactly where she came from, um, but she's, yeah, she's just sort of grown from, I guess, a lot of, um, yeah, other stories where people have just had to deal with adversity and, you know, they're still really good people and enjoy their lives. I say this to all of our QBD watchers and listeners uh, each time that I'm very mindful of spoilers. And I have to say, probably more than I've done in a while, when I was reading The Chasm, I was, um, oh, oh, how do I? Because you actually, um, drip feed is, is too common. You're like, you cancel and Gretel this book to us because you just throw us crumbs along the way that not only make you keep on turning the pages, but make you wonder and think about what you've read before. So it's a, I am going to be very careful in the way we describe this story. But Andy, our local vet, goes back to, uh, a small a valley, a Taplin Valley, which is next to where the valley where she or the town where she grew up, grew up, where there was a lot of drama. So she heads back there, and it almost feels dangerous, really, from the moment she arrives, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that that's the idea. I love that. Um, I love that term, Hansel and Gretel crumbs um that's really great and look you know for anyone who is interested in reading the book you do find out quite early on parts of what happened you know back in the past so you don't have to wait too long for all of those sort of crumbs to to start emerging um and i don't believe in hiding stuff from readers i'm i don't i love a plot twist but i don't love that huge revelation right at the end where you go oh well we could have found that out all the way at the beginning you know i am much more of a keep the reader in 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 the circle now you say that I felt like you, like you, yeah it's like you kept us updated along the way so when I say crumbs it's like you let us you lead us but you do actually keep us in the story so it's like you, it's almost like a respectful thing by the way this happened that's why we're getting this yeah well that's great I'm glad that came across because um that's quite a conscious you know um effort by as I write I don't like treating readers like they're need to be kept in the dark or <laughs> mushrooms, you know. Um, so, yeah, so that's really great. Um, yeah, and you do, you know, Andy does go back to where she grew up and she left under uh, circumstances. She was leaving anyway to go to university, but the area itself is one that is quite, she's very spiritually connected to, you know, it's her home. So she was always intending, you know, when she left to go to study to be a vet, you know, to come back. But circumstances of Will's disappearance and basically the town turning against her, they decided that he was probably dead and, and she was the one who was most likely to kill to have killed him. Um, and there are reasons that they, they take sides. Um, so she knows it's a bit hostile, uh, but she doesn't go right back to the town that she grew up in. She goes, as you say, to the, the valley next door just so she can have a bit of a, a holiday. It's, you know, just a, a little taste of the mountains and, um, yeah, just feeling like she's in her, her special place. She but goes back all, to help an old, yeah. old uni friend who's also a vet in the town. So she's right back in into the vet work and, and doing what she does well. Um, did you, I, I, it felt very knowledgeable. Have you, was that just a research thing from you? But the vetting and what she did just, I loved it. Like it was really fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because I, I, and I did this with my first book, Gone to Ground as well, which is about, a, um, and my, my protagonist is a doctor. I tend to write things for the drama and then go, yeah, I'm sure that could happen, and then go and do the research. So with the, so with the, uh, 
vet procedures and um, you know animals. I mean, I think getting to know and diagnosing and things like that is is fine. But then just checking out um, the diagnosis itself and what you might do in that situation, you know, and how to sort of treat. I did consult. I have a um, some vet friends, so that was really lucky, and they were helpful. Well, there are, as I said earlier, some non-human characters, not aliens, but there's a there's a ginger cat, there's a horse, there's a couple of dogs that we grow to love as well. They kind of were very much a part of the story and also identifying who Andy was and why she was the way she was. You got a real sense of her and her kindness and her genuine nature through those animals as well. Oh, that's really nice. I'm glad that came through. I, I love animals and having the opportunity to sort of write them in as um, characters in their own right but also helping, you know, um, Andy and a, and a particular horse called Big Jack. He's quite instrumental in the plot. He's a um, he's a pretty cool horse. I loved him. I mean, he's completely fictitious, but I still I feel like he's my horse. I don't have a horse, but she meets some good people along the way, namely uh, Ethan and his family, and they become a really big part of the whole thread of this and what can happen in country and community life. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Ethan is uh, a really good character and one of his roles too was to, I think, offer that counterpoint to that country towns are often really small and insular. Um, tap on where Andy is doing the locum vet work. You know, it is a small rural town and people are caring and I think a lot of the stereotypes that go around small rural towns might be there and, and evident and in a nice way but Ethan and his family you know rural these idyllic places they're not immune to illness um, certainly Ethan's sister is unwell um, she has a genetic disease and his family are dealing with you know her deterioration which is is getting quite bad um, but also you know I talk about um domestic violence and drug issues and you know they affect people in any any um town or city or anywhere across australia and probably the world so you know just being in a in a nice beautiful rural country town doesn't make anyone immune to yeah and he also has um quite an international career in terms of the work he does and yet here he is doing it from the side of the mountain and I think that's almost we're going to see more of that in our literature coming through because of what we've been through and we know that our lives are different and we work differently now. Absolutely. And I think even more so, you know, with especially in Victoria, probably um, in Victoria experienced a real tree change. They call it um, after COVID, or through and after COVID, where a lot of people feeling so trapped, no doubt, um, because of our lockdowns. You know, our country towns have in increased in size and population and have undergone real booms but the people who've moved in are city people so yeah that that work from home that international kind of work it's now everywhere it's not just based in our big cities um andy had been through quite a bit of trauma as a young person when will went missing and then you know having to to leave and then the going back and that's that that's where the kind of danger and the intrigue comes in because she's just seeing things that don't add up isn't she yeah, and I mean, she's she's very uh, sensitive to the things that don't add up because she's she's known it before. You know, ten years ago, she was very young; she was only eighteen. Um, and uh, what happened to Will? Like, there's a truth there that needs to come out. But being eighteen, she was too young 
there was no one, no law enforcement on her side at the time. So instead it's, you know, been a real um, journey of um, cover-up and she has had to cover up at the same time. So um, she's had a lot on her shoulders and, uh, you know, that's just pushed her into a bit of a nomadic lifestyle. But coming back, you know, and it all starts coming out again, um, but she's in a she's in a different place this time, and certainly the events are a lot different as well. So I think her true colours just, you know, they might have been able to come through at eighteen, but now that she's twenty eight, she can really sort of stand up. It's just I've had this like light bulb moment just then because one of the things I'd written to ask you about was that you know Andy had has been through a lot, and as you say, covered up a lot as well and her trauma's kind of been boxed up and I quite love that she was so high functioning really strong found a way through things and it's, now it's making sense to me you with your background in psychology and mental health and everything that you didn't make her this kind of basket case who couldn't get on with it all a drunk or a whatever you actually gave us the little things that she did be it going for a run or be it uh sitting with a problem and then working through it or leaning into it or and you actually gave us this really high functioning character who'd had a terrible time Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad because, you know, there are a lot of people like Andy in our community, people who are high-functioning, who have had trauma and, um, yeah, bad event, events, bad things happen to them, but they do conquer and they get on with it and they're, yeah, they're still there. Yeah, really interesting. Is it fair to say it's a book of two halves? Because the first part is very much the setup, but the second half is like bang, bang, action, 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 because there's a lot going on with our people trying to get away from other people it's it's the action is quite full-on isn't it <laughs> it is and I think it's very fair to say that um I think there are there the first half of the book takes place over two weeks the second half of the book takes place over 24 hours so it's very um yeah it, it's uh it's ramped up yeah quite significantly <laughs> that, that, that. and I was reading it thinking because you've got it we're set we're in kind of in a lot of wilderness areas there's a horse involved there's a whole lot going on did you in terms of that action scene to make it all work did you have to kind of I felt like I'd, I'd have to have a, a a mold like a lego town you know and kind of work out where they were going and what they were doing how did you map out an action scene to be so realistic uh good question I kept it all in I have it all in my head but it's based on um it's not it, it's not gospelly based on, but it, it is based on some geography up in the um, kind of the ovens and Kiwa valleys. So it's not about those valleys. I, I really hasten to add, but the geography of the mountains, um, you know, they're they're kind of on route to the snowfields, and you've got the pine plantations that are there. So um, I just had quite a clear picture in my head of where things were. I think distances are quite hard to convey when you're writing a book, so. Yeah. You know, I often was putting in think how many hundred metres or how many kilometres or, you know, that sort of thing just to, because they're big distances. You pop a mountain anywhere and suddenly you can be walking for 10Ks. And it's interesting also because sometimes when you are setting something that's more remote or rural, you kind of, there's no tech, but this is technology and phones and all those things are very much part of this. And, in fact, technology plays quite an integral role in in the story as well. And you also, um, you deal with some really modern social issues as well, without, again, giving it away, but you deal with a lot of modern social issues as well. So it's a book that is very much of the now. Yeah, that's great. I mean, technology is um, is for writers, I think, it can be a bugbear, but also something to be really 
harnessed if you can do it. And the difficulty with it is, is that it just changes so fast. So advances in any tech are, you know, lightning these days. Um, but communications, you know, you either need to harness them really tightly or get rid of them. So having everyone having a smartphone, you know, um, is good. But if you're in a, a really difficult situation and, and as a writer, you know, often you don't want your uh, characters just to be able to ring someone for help. You know, it needs to be a bit harder than that. So, um, but, yeah, tech is tech is there. And, I mean, tech's really exciting. So, yeah, I think it um, has a part in our in our novels and our stories and, yeah, as it does in our lives. I guess you also give us an insight into, you know, smaller towns, country towns and that kind of hierarchy and people that have been in higher positions for a long time and how it's difficult to go up against them. Uh, and then almost the contrast was over in Taplin was where you had all these really good people who were willing to accept people for what they were. Yeah, and I'm really, look, I'm really glad that came through. I mean, it's, um, I think there are a couple of things about small country towns, and I guess more so in the one that Andy grew up in, which is one that had um, really unlikable elements where, you know, there were a couple of, one in particular, sort of like dominant characters and they had a like an undercurrent of control it was hard to as you say hard to go up against them even for the police um and I think um it permeated everywhere um one thing that we haven't sort of touched on and is is more intriguing I think for me in my own head rather than just the story but it's like you know um the football team so Will himself was a, a footballer in, in a football team and he was the star, you know, but no one really knew him and no one was, they just wanted him to be the star. But I think even in those environments, you know, a football team, it's all lovely to have it romanticised as everyone loves each other and they're all, yes. you know, going for a premiership, but no one really knows what's going on at home or how hard it is to help someone if you think something might be going on at home or, you know, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, there was a definite kind of harshness to the characters that um, are not on the right side of good. Uh, there was a definite mm -hmm. harshness to them, whether it be Will's family or all the people, you know, in and around the footy club as well. Is there, did you intend any kind of messaging around facing your past and owning your life, you know, and, and eventually sort of coming to, to peace with that? Yeah. But very gently, I think. Yes. I mean, yes. I don't. I, I, I really, <laughs> I really don't write um, to put, you know, to intend to put sort of moralistic um, messages. You, you know, this is this is a thriller, but I, it's more about making characters real, and um, leaving readers hopefully with that sense of you know contentment and hope that people are in the right place and they're going to be okay. They're going to survive. You know, they, they're generally good people. And is there, um, I, I guess when you're, you're now, the chasm is out there and we're going to all be talking about it, is the next one already percolating in the back of your mind? It is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's funny to go back, though, because obviously you write these over time and then you're talking about it now, but there's another story going on in your brain. Yeah, <laughs> there is. Um, yeah, and, and it is really interesting, actually, because you, yeah, that's um, like... Yep, there's always something there, though. So there's always kind of the next one. It takes a long time to percolate. So, you know, yeah. just, yeah. 
the next the next one is um you know a fair way down the track just in terms of of coming out but uh yeah it's it, it is it's an interesting sort of um spiral I guess where you've got one that's just come out and you yeah thinking about the next one well my recommendation is to people to pick it up and because you don't it is not a book you want to pop down and keep on coming back to I felt like I pretty much read it in one sitting because I just wanted to keep going with it and I think that was the way um the way you wrote Andy she spoke to us sometimes sometimes we were in the story watching on and sometimes she just spoke to us and it was a great way to kind of engage readers and make us not want to put it down so thank you <laughs> oh it's my absolute pleasure <laughs> excellent well congratulations the chasm uh your second book and I think it'll be just as uh, popular if not more so uh, than gone to ground so congratulations and uh yeah I love Andy and I'd like to I'd actually love to see her again <laughs> oh great I'll work on that. Oh, thanks so much, Victoria. That's great. Thanks so much for your company today on QBD Book Club, the podcast. We'll chat again soon.